0: okay um today we're gonna read chapter 18 in percy jackson and the lightning thief um today's uh, chapter is titled annabeth does obedience school we stood in the shadows of valencia boulevard looking up at the gold letters etched in black marble doa recording studios underneath stenciled on the glass doors no solicitors no loitering no living it was almost midnight but the lobby was brightly lit and full of people behind the security desk sat a tough-looking guard with sunglasses and an earpiece i turned to my friends okay you remember the plan the plan gulp grover gulped. yeah i love the plan annabeth said what happens if the plan doesn't work don't think negative right she said, we're entering the land of the dead, and I shouldn't think negative. I took the pearls out of my pocket, the three milky spears from the near that h- had given me in the Santa Monica. They didn't seem like much of backup in case something went wrong. Annabeth put her hand on my shoulder. I'm sorry, Percy. You're right. We'll make it. It'll be fine. She gave Grover a nudge. Oh, right, he chimed in. We got this far. We'll, we'll find the master bolt and save your mom, no problem. I looked at them both and felt really grateful. Only a few minutes before I had almost gotten them stretched to death on deluxe water beds and now they were trying to be brave for my sake, trying to make me feel better. I slipped the pearls back into my pocket. Let's whoop some underworld butt. We walked inside the DOA lobby. Muzak played softly on hidden speakers. The carpet and walls were steel gray. Pencil cactuses grew in the corners like skeleton hands. The furniture was black leather and every seat was taken. There were people sitting on couches, people standing up, people staring out the windows or waiting for the elevator. Nobody moved or talked or did much of anything. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see them all just fine. But I, if I focused on any one of them in particular, they started looking transparent. I could see right through their bodies. The security guard's desk was a raised podium, so we had to look up at him. He was tall and elegant, with chocolate-colored skin and bleached blonde hair shaved military style. He wore tortoise shades and a silk Italian suit that matched his hair. A black rose was pinned to his lapel under a silver name tag. I read the name tag, then looked at him in bewilderment. Your name is Kyron? He looked across the desk. I didn't see anything in his glasses except my own reflection, but his smile was sweet and cold, like a python's right before it eats you. What a precious young lad. He had a strange accent. British, maybe, but also as if he had learned English as a second language. Tell me, mate, do I look like a centaur? N-no. Sir, he added smoothly. Sir, I said. He pinched the name tag and ran his finger under the letters. Can't you read this, mate? It says C-H-A-R-O-N. Say it with me. Karen. Karen amazing now mr Caron mr karen i said well done he sat back i hate being confused with that old horseman now now how may i help you little dead ones his question caught in my stomach like a fastball i looked at annabeth for support we want to go to the underworld she said karen's mouth twitched well that's refreshing is it She asked, straightforward and honest, no screaming, no, there must be a mistake, Mr. Karen. He looked to save her. How did you die, then? I nudged Grover. Oh, um, drowned. In the bathtub. All three of you? uh, Karen asked. We nodded. Big bathtub. Karen looked mildly impressed. I don't suppose you have coins for passage. Normally, with adults, you see, I could charge your American Express or add the fairy price to your latest. Last cable bill, but with children. Alas, you never die prepared. Suppose you'll have to take the seat for a few centuries. Oh, but we have coins. I set three golden drachmas on the counter, part of the stash I'd found in Krusty's office desk. Well, now, Karen mo- moistened his lips. Real drachmas, real golden drachmas. I haven't seen these in. His fingers hovered greedily over the coins. We were so close. Then Karen looked at me. The cold stare behind his glasses seemed to bore a hole through my chest. Here now? You couldn't read my name correctly. Are you dyslexic, lad? No, I said. I'm dead. He leaned forward and took a sniff. You're not dead. I should have known you're a godling. We've got to get to the underworld, I insisted. Karen made a growling sound deep in his throat. Immediately, all the people in the waiting room got up and started pacing, agitated, "'lighting cigarettes, running hands through their hair, "'or checking their wristwatches. "'Leave what you can,' Karen told. "'I'll just take these and forget. I saw you.' "'He started to go for the coins, but I snatched them back. "'No service, no tip.' "'I tried to sound braver than I felt. "'Karen growled again, a deep, blood-chilling sound. "'The spirits of the dead started pounding on the elevator doors. "'It's a shame, too. We had more to offer.' I held up the entire bag from Krusty's stash. I took out a fistful of drachmas and let the coins spill through my fingers. Karen's growl turned into something more like a lion's purr. Do you think I could be bought, Godling? Eh. Just out of curiosity, though, how much do you got there? A lot, I said. I bet Hades doesn't pay you well enough for such hard work. Oh, you don't know the half of it. How would you like to babysit these spits all day? Always please don't let me be dead, or please let me cross for free. I haven't had to pay a raise in 3,000 years. Can you imagine suits like this that come cheap? You deserve better, I agreed. A little appreciation, respect, and good pay. With each word, I stacked another gold coin on the counter. Karen glanced down at his silk Italian jacket as if imagining himself in something even better. I must say, lad, you're making some sense now. Just a little. I stacked another few coins. I can mention a pay raise while I'm talking to Hades. He sighed. boat's almost fool anyway. I might as well add you three and be off. He stood, scooped up our money, and said, Come along. On. We pushed along through the crowd of waiting spirits who started grabbing at our clothes like the wind, their voices whispering things I couldn't make out. Karen shoved them out of the way, grumbling, Free ladders. He escorted us into the elevator, which was already crowded with souls of the dead, each one holding a green boarding pass. Karen grabbed two spirits who were trying to get on with us and pushed them back into the lobby. Right, no no, no one get any ideas while I'm gone, he announced to the waiting room. And if anyone moves the dial off my easy listening station again, I'll make sure you're here for another thousand years. Understand? And he shut the doors. He put a key card into the slot in the elevator panel and we started to descend. "'What happens to the spirits waiting in the lobby?' Annabeth asked. "'Nothing,' Karen said. "'For how long?' "'Forever, or until I'm feeling generous.' "'Oh, that's, um, fair.' Karen raised an eyebrow. "'Whoever said death was fair, young miss?' "'Wait until it's your turn. You'll die soon enough where you're going.' "'We'll get out alive,' I said. "'Ha!' I got a sudden dizzy feeling we weren't going down anymore but forward.' The air turned misty. Spirits around me started changing shape. Their modern clothes flickered, turning into gray hooded robes. The floor of the elevator began swaying. I blinked hard, and when I opened my eyes, Karen's creamy Italian suit had been replaced by a long black robe. His tortoise shell glasses were gone. Where his eyes should have been, there were empty sockets, like Ares's eyes, except uh, Karen's were totally dark, full of night and death and despair. He saw me looking and said, "'Well?' Nothing, I managed. I thought he was grinning, but that wasn't it. The flesh of his face was becoming transparent, letting me see straight through to his skull. The floor kept swaying. Grover said, "'I think I'm getting seasick.' And when I blinked again, the elevator wasn't an elevator anymore. We were standing in a wooden barge. Karen was pulling across a dark, oily river, swirling with bones, dead fish, and other stranger things. Plastic dolls, crushed carnations, soggy diplomas with gilt etches. The river sticks, Annabeth murmured. It's so polluted, Karen said. For thousands of years, you humans have been throwing in everything as you come across. Hopes, dreams, wishes that never came true. Irresponsible waste management, if you ask me. Mist curled off the filthy water. Above us, almost lost in the gloom, was a ceiling of stalactites. Ahead, The far shore glimmered with greenish light, the color of poison. Panic closed up my throat. What was I doing here? These people around me, they they were dead. Annabeth grabbed hold of my hand. Under normal circumstances, this would have embarrassed me, but I understood how she felt. She wanted reassurance that somebody else was alive on this boat. I found myself muttering a prayer, though I wasn't quite sure who I was praying to. Down here only one god mattered, and he was the one I had come to confront. The shoreline of the underworld came into view. Cracky rocks and black volcanic sand stretched inland about a hundred yards to the base of a high stone wall, which marched off in either direction as far as we could see. A sound came from somewhere nearby in the green gloom, echoing off the stones, the howl of a large animal. Oh three faces hungry,' Karen said. His smile turned skeletal in the greenish light bad luck for you godlings the bottom of our boat slid onto the black sand the dead began to disembark a woman holding a little girl's hand an old man and an old woman hobbling along arm in arm a boy no older than I was shuffling silently along in his gray robe Karen said I'd wish you luck mate but there isn't any down here mind you don't forget to mention my pay raise he counted our golden coins into his pouch then took up his pole He warbled something that sounded like a Barry Manilow song as he ferried the empty barge back across the river. We followed the spirits up a well-worn path. I'm not sure what I was expecting. Pearly gates or a big black portcullis or something. But the entrance to the underworld looked like a cross between airport security and the Jersey Turnpike. There were three separate entrances under one huge black archway that said, You are now entering Erebus. Each entrance had a pass-through metal detector with security cameras mounted on top. Beyond this were toll booths, manned by black-robed ghouls like Karen. The howling of the hungry animal was really loud now, but I couldn't see where it was coming from. The three-headed dog, Cerebrus, who was supposed to guard Hades' door, was nowhere to be seen. The dead queued up in the three lines, two marked Attendant on Duty and one marked Easy Death. The easy death line was moving right along. The other two were crawling. What do you figure? I asked Annabeth. The fast line must go straight to the Asphodel fields. No contest. They don't want to risk a judgment from the court because it might go against them. There's a court for dead people? Yes, three judges. They switch around who speaks on, sits on the bench. King Minus, Thomas Jefferson, Shakespeare, people like that. Sometimes they look at a life and decide that person needs a special reward, the fields of Elysium. Sometimes they decide on punishment, but most people, well, they just lived. Nothing special, good or bad, so they go to the Esphodel fields. And do what? Grover said, imagine standing in a wheat field in Kansas. Forever. Harsh, I said. Not as harsh as that, Grover muttered. Look, a couple of black-robed ghouls had pulled aside one spear and were frisking him at the security desk. The face of the dead man looked vaguely familiar. "'He's that preacher who made the news, remember?' Grover asked. "'Oh, yeah. I did remember now. "'We'd seen him on TV a couple of times at the Yancey Academy dorm. "'He was this annoying televangelist from upstate New York "'who'd raised millions of dollars for orphanages "'and then got caught spending the money on stuff for his mansion, "'like gold-plated toilet seats and an indoor putt-putt golf course. "'He died in a police chase when his Lamborghini for the Lord went off a cliff.' "'I said, "'What are they doing to him?' special punishment from Hades, Grover guessed. They really, the really bad people get his personal attention as soon as they arrive. The fear, fu- the kindly ones will set up an eternal torture for him. The thought of the Furies made me shudder. I realized I was in their home territory now. Old Mrs. Dodds would be licking her lips with anticipation. But if he's a preacher and he believes in a different hell, Grover shrugged, who says he's seeing this place the way we're seeing it? Humans see what they want to see. You're very stubborn, um, persistent that way. We got closer to the gates. The howling was so loud now it shook the ground at my feet that I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Then, about 50 feet in front of us, the green mist shimmered. Standing just where the path split into three lanes was an enormous, shadowy monster. I hadn't seen it before because it was half transparent like the dead. Until it moved, it blended in with whatever was behind it. Only its eyes and teeth looked solid, and it was looking straight at me. My jaw hung open. All I could think to say was, he's a Rottweiler. I'd always imagined Cerebrus as a big black mastiff, but he was obviously a purebred Rottweiler, except, of course, he was twice the size of a woolly mammoth, mostly invisible, and he had three heads. So here's another three-headed dog. We read about a three-headed dog in Harry Potter, too, if you guys remember in the first one. That was pretty cool. The dead walked right up to him, no fear at all. The attendant-on-duty lines parted on either side of him. The easy-death spirits walked right between his front paws and under his belly, which they could do without even crouching. "'I'm starting to see him better,' I muttered. "'Why is that?' "'I think,' Annabeth moistened her lips. "'I'm afraid it's because we're getting closer to being dead. "'The dog's middle head craned toward us. "'It sniffed the air and growled. "'It can smell the living,' I said. "'But that's okay!' "'Grover said, trembling next to me, because we have a plan.' "'Right,' Annabeth said, and I'd never heard her voice sound quite so small. "'A plan.' We moved toward the monster. The middle head snarled at us, then barked so loud my eyeballs rattled. "'Can you understand it?' I asked Grover. "'Oh, yeah,' he said. "'I can understand it.' "'What's it saying?' "'I don't think humans have a four-letter word that translates exactly.' I took the big stick out of my backpack, a bedpost I'd broken off Krusty's Safari Deluxe Floor Model, and I held it up and tried to channel happy dog thoughts toward Cerebrus, Alpo commercials, cute little puppies, fire hydrants. I tried to smile like I wasn't about to die. Hey, big fella. I called up, I bet they don't play with you much. Row. Good boy, I said weakly. I waved the stick. The dog's middle head followed the movement. The other two heads trained their eyes on me, completely ignoring the spirits. I had Cerebrus's undivided attention, and I wasn't sure it was a good thing. Fetch! I threw the stick into the gloom, a good solid throw. I heard it go <laughs> into the river sticks. Cerebrus gra- glared at me, unimpressed. His eyes were baleful and cold. So much for the plan. Cerebrus was now making a new kind of growl, deeper down into his three throats. Um, Percy, Grover said, yeah, I just thought you'd like to know, Uh uh-huh, Cerebrus, he's saying we've got ten seconds to pray to the god of our choice, and after that, well, he's hungry. Wait, Annabeth said, and she started rifling through her pack. "Uh Uh-oh, I thought. Five seconds, Grover said, do we run now? Annabeth produced a red rubber ball the size of a grapefruit. It was labeled Waterland, Denver, Colorado. Before I could stop her, she raised the ball and marched right up to Cerebus. She shouted, "'See the ball? You want the ball? Cerebus, sit!' Cerebus looked as stunned as we were. All three of his heads cocked sideways, six nostrils dilated. "'Sit!' Annabeth called again. I was sure that at any moment she would become the world's largest milk-bone dog biscuit." But instead, Cerebus licked his three sets of lips, shifted on his haunches, and sat, immediately crushing a dozen spirits who had been, been passing underneath him in the easy death line. The spirits made muffled hisses as they dissipated, like the air let out of tires. Annabeth said, Good boy! And threw Cerebus the ball. He caught it in his middle mouth. It was barely big enough for him to chew, and the other head started snapping at the middle, trying to get the new toy. Drop it! Annabeth ordered. Cerebrus' head stopped fighting and looked at her. The ball was wedged between two of his teeth like a tiny piece of gum. He made a loud, scary whimper, then dropped the ball, now slimy and bitten nearly in half at Annabeth's feet. Good boy! She picked up the ball, ignoring the monster spit all over us. She turned toward us. Go. Now. Easy death line. That's faster. I said, but now, she ordered in the same tone she was using on the dog, Grover and I inched forward wearily. Cerebrus started to growl. Stay! Annabeth ordered the monster. If you want the ball, stay! Cerebrus whimpered, but he stayed where he was. What about you? I asked Percy as we passed her. I know what I'm doing, Percy, she muttered. At least, I'm pretty sure. Grover and I walked between the monster's legs. Please, Annabeth, I prayed, don't tell him to sit again. We made it through. Cerebrus wasn't any less scary looking from the back. Annabeth said, "'Good dog,' and she held up the tattered red ball and probably came to the same conclusion I did. If she rewarded Cerebrus, there'd be nothing left for another trick. She threw the ball anyway. The monster's left mouth immediately snatched it up, only to be attacked by the middle head while the right head moaned in protest. While the monster was distracted, Annabeth walked briskly under its belly and joined us at the metal detector. "'How did you do that?' I asked her, amazed." Obedient school, she said breathlessly, and I was surprised to see there were tears in her eyes. When I was little, at my dad's house, we had a Doberman. Never mind that, Grover said, tugging at my shirt. Come on! We were about to bolt through the easy death line when Cerebrus moaned pitil- pitifully from all three mouths. Annabeth stopped. She turned to face the dog, which had done a 180 to look at us. Cerebrus panted expectantly, the tiny red ball in pieces and a puddle of drool at its feet. "'Good boy,' Annabeth said, but her voice sounded melancholy and uncertain. The monster's head turned sideways, as if worried about her. "'I'll bring you another ball soon. Would you like that?' The monster whimpered. I didn't need to speak dog to know Cerebrus was still waiting for the ball. "'Good dog. I'll come visit you soon. I I promise.' Annabeth turned to us. "'Let's go.' Grover and I pushed through the metal detector, which immediately screamed and set off red, flashing red lights. "'Unauthorized possessions! Magic detected!' Cerebrus started to bark. We burst through the easy death gate, which started even more alarms blaring, and raced into the underworld. A few minutes later, we were hiding, out of breath, in the rotten trunk of an immense black tree as security goals scuttled past, yelling for backup from the Furies. Grover muttered, "'Well, Percy, what have we learned today?' "'That three-headed dogs prefer red rubber balls over sticks?" "'No,' Grover told me. "'We learned that your plans really, really bite.' "'I wasn't sure about that. "'I thought maybe Annabeth and I both had the right idea. "'Even here in the underworld, everybody, even monsters, "'needed a little attention once in a while. "'I thought about that as we waited for the ghouls to pass. "'I pretended not to see Annabeth wipe a tear from her cheek "'as she listened to the mournful keening of Cerebrus in the distance, "'longing for his new friend.' And that's where we're going to stop for today. Um, I'll be back tomorrow to read chapter 19. We find out the truth, sort of.